Now it's time to talk to Tom Kerridge, whose book Fresh Start has been dominating the non-fiction chart. Tom is a chef, and his pub The Hand and Flowers in Marlow is the only UK pub to have two Michelin stars. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Tell us how you first got into cooking. Uh, I needed money. That was basically <laughs> it. I, I, I got to a point where I'd been like doing not very much and I was 18 years old and I needed to get to a point where I could consider leaving home or I can consider buying a car and putting tinted windows in it and buying a stereo for it and and the only way that's ever going to happen is if you go out and earn money so I got a job um washing up in um a hotel up in Painswick and then I ended up staying in as a chef and then moving quite quickly on to Colcote Manor which is a mission starred hotel and that was it. I, I fell in love with the industry or the, uh, like the industry family. It was very lucky. You know, as an 18 year old, I went into a kitchen and it suddenly became, I, I just loved everything about the industry. The late nights, the early mornings, the slightly left field way of life, the way that, you know, your social life is very different. I was told that there was no social life if you work in the hospitality industry, but it couldn't be forever from the truth. The hospitality industry is, uh, the social life in it is is phenomenal. It's amazing. It's just different to everybody else's and that I like the fact that it wasn't a normal job it was creative it was rock and roll it was it is an industry that's full of an amazing eclectic band of people from all sorts of different backgrounds and nationalities that you get to meet and there's so many opportunities for it so yeah as an industry it was it completely grabbed me as an 18 year old and and I love everything about it. Mm-hmm. That was certainly my experience of working in um, the pub's finest time of my life, really. And you make your social life with the people you work with and the people that come in, don't you? There's always chat going on. Well, yeah, I mean, it's always the people that you work with. And if, you, if you're in the industry, then you still know, you know, I mean, chefs have got this amazing talent for turning up into a city that you, you might not know or have ever been, but they will always find that bar, the one that, uh, you know, the, the locals know that, that they don't go to, the one that's open till late, the one that has lock-ins, the one that's, like, you're more likely to get mugged in, the one that the chefs, <laughs> chefs have this natural ability to find that place. You bought your own pub, The Hand and Flowers, in 2005. What yeah. sort of pub did you want it to be? Well, we just wanted to find a space that was somewhere where we wanted to go on our days off, pretty much. Myself and Beth, my wife, it was just somewhere where I wanted the high standard of food, my vision of um, the quality rather than necessarily the faff that goes with everything else, that I've, the levels that I've been cooking at, but just quality of the ingredient and the history and heritage of the produce and everything to have a, a purpose and a reason. So, you know, when you invest in small-scale farmers and, and producers, it's a really nice thing to be able to convey that story across to guests and to customers. So, And we wanted somewhere that we felt that it was part of a community and felt that it was somewhere for, I suppose, an area that would embrace and... Uh, you know, Marlow is, is a beautiful town and it really has, you know, it is our home. It is somewhere now that, we, you know, we, we, we never see ourselves moving. And it's a wonderful town that really embraces entrepreneurial spirit and people that get on with it and do things on their own. But it has a wonderful community base as well. So the idea of opening somewhere like that was and that, and that was essentially what it was for. We didn't for one minute expect um, to be in the position that we're in now. I mean, that's just come through, I suppose, own personal desire to improve bit by bit every single day and constant reinvestment in a business we had no rule book there's no thing that tells you what path you should go down 
to value success or what where it should stop or what it should be. So so every single penny or every and still pretty much every penny that the hand of flowers earns is reinvested back into the business. So it's been a constant growth about staff and and equipment and new kitchens and bit. So just I suppose that quest for just getting better for a guest every time they come. And when did the book start? What made you want to write a book? John Croft from Absolute Press approached us many, many years ago to originally do a Hand of Flowers book, um, which we thought would be a lovely thing to do. Um, and at that point, we were like, OK, great. Yeah, this would be quite a special thing to do. Um, but then at the same point, we were talking to the BBC and we ended up doing a, a series, um, which was the proper pub food series. So it, it made real sense for the Hand of Flowers book to be instead of being a hand of flowers, but to be associated with the television show so that the two things went hand in hand. Um, so the recipes that were available from the show, people could buy in a book. And, and that works really well because it allowed us then to be able to convey recipes that are accessible for people to cook. You know, there were cookbooks for me at that point and still are about people being able to pick them up and follow recipes and cook the actual dishes. So the book came along with the TV series and it continued from there. So so the Hand of Flowers book still hasn't been written. So the original <laughs> the original concept of doing it with Absolute Press then, you know, and now John is now a huge part of Bloomsbury, which have been, you know, such a wonderful and amazing publishers and been incredibly supportive of everything that we've done. And we've continued to go on these exciting journeys of creating books that are accessible for people to read and, and, and cook from. So for our point of view, it's just this lovely journey of conveying with... I suppose the guests that come to our restaurants, so, you know, when you come and eat in somewhere that has one or two Michelin stars, you're coming into a space um, normally that you would associate that you couldn't cook food of that level. However, what we do at the Hand of Flowers and at the Coach and at the Bar and Grill is we always try to make sure that the food feels accessible. So we, we found ourselves in this lovely position where we may have Michelin stars. However, there are chips on the menu. So <laughs> they're things that people recognise. And that's where we've been able to get some of that chef technique into a, I suppose, a cookbook that then becomes accessible. So it's that lovely crossover of brands where, you know, we're seen as high end in terms of professionalism um, within the industry of the standard and level that we cook at. However, the accessibility has mean it's been able to tick boxes for a lot of people to be able to cook great food and just improve on flavours of dishes that they probably already know how to do, a lasagna or a bolognese sauce or a type of curry. But there's hints and tips and techniques that will definitely improve their cooking that they're already doing. Mm -hmm. Now, can we talk about the booze? Yeah, we can talk about booze. <laughs> we can talk about it, but we're not going to drink any. No, me neither, not anymore. Tell us the story. So I was approaching my 40th birthday and I need I recognised I needed to make a change in my life, like um, both from a huge health kick. And, and it's a point where you, you look back and you reflect on um, the position that you're in. And I, I was at a point where, I mean, food was massive and a huge part of my life, but I was eating all the wrong things at all the wrong times and with, without, without a single care um, for what I was consuming. Um, never thought about it, didn't really bother me. Um, but alcohol was a massive part of my life. So so from the professionalism of a kitchen where you drive things forward and I think the pressures of running businesses and the pressures of running businesses that are cooking at a two-star level, um, you always need a release of some sort. And for me, it's late at night and, and it was alcohol. And normally the way that I recognised that there was an issue for me was, I mean, one, I would always have pretty much a case of beer and a bottle of gin in the car just in case I was working somewhere and the bar was closed that night I would be able to get a drink um, or 
I was in control of businesses. I run businesses with people and I'm in control of the food and the, and everything in my life I was driving forward and I was I am in control of everything that I do. Um however, there was something there that was in control of me, was controlling my um thoughts for what I it, it wasn't about me deciding when I wanted a drink, it was a drink telling mm-hmm. me that I need one. So and and that point of recognition was the thing that I knew it had flipped the wrong way, the wrong side. So I needed to make a decision and a change. And and again, I, it's one of those things, I, I'm quite fortunate that I, if I put my mind to things, I found that I'm quite good at a willpower situation of, of driving things on. And, and the way I look at it is that I, I look at it and go, well, if someone else has done it, then surely I can do mm-hmm. it. So, And I armed myself with a little bit of research, but not a huge amount, and just thought, well, you know, if I'm going to stop drink I just got to stop drinking I know mm-hmm. and I know there's no there's no such thing as a drink for me I don't understand people who can have a drink the, the drink for me the purpose of it is for getting smashed in and having fun <laughs> like it and like and taking it to an extreme and constant and with it being relentless and yeah. I don't see the point of a pint of lager or a single glass of wine to me it, it's it's not you know I understand people like the taste but it's for me it's not about the taste it's the effect it's the mental effect I, I needed to not have that in my life so mm-hmm. so there's no such thing as a single drink because I know it'll end up in um a very late night party somewhere probably where we shouldn't be. <laughs> I think you're an inspiration because life certainly didn't stop being fun, did it, when you stopped drinking? No, I, I mean, it just continues. We we grow and we've grown as a business. In fact, we, we've been able to achieve more and do much more without alcohol being a part of my life because it's much cleaner, it's much focused, there's much more drive and uh, and it's a lot easier to get on with things the next day and you can pick pieces up and make decisions quicker and clearer and crisper and in terms of business we've been able to grow hugely and 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 not just in terms of that on a I suppose on a restaurant and a and a pub business but in terms of in in terms of a media profile and in terms of an understanding and moving books forward and writing and being a part of everything is a lot crisper and cleaner you know normally the times that I have to write books are normally late at night and when I mean late at night I mean like three or four in the morning late you know and then if you're then getting up again at seven you know you can't do that whilst you're drinking those things can't exist so and also fame and people knowing who you are is a we I find not uncomfortable but I do I don't struggle with it but I do find it a little weird I do find the fact that just because you know I haven't ever wanted to be famous I've just wanted to be good at my chosen profession and alongside that has come a recognition that a few people know who I am and then you then always need to be able to have a conversation to be able to be on form I, I never want the idea of being grumpy hungover a picture in a tabloid newspaper of me falling out of a bar those sort of things I just can't I I just wouldn't want so the alcohol completely disappears and it has allowed me to then grow everything else as a business but with that comes excitement and enjoyment and opportunities that are presented to you with travel and being asked to do fun things and film great shows or appear on you know live television and all sorts of stuff that's pretty rock and roll and good fun without it having to be uh, booze involved. Well somewhat fittingly your newest book Tom is called Fresh Start. Tell us about it. So it's kind of a follow-up the last two books had been um, uh, diet books and they've been one was my own personal journey and another one was kind of in conjunction with the NHS on a 12-week diet plan of low calorie. However, Fresh Start is about 
trying to encourage people not to necessarily to ditch convenience food, but to try and break the habit of it being something that is a part of everyday life um, and getting back into the kitchen and learning about ingredients and encouraging families to cook and just to try and to make sure that you're again getting a grip and taking control of your life your destiny through food so it's not a diet book however it is healthier based recipes there are calorie counts in there but there are also some like super rich chocolate puddings in there with the calorie count in it just so that you know if you are watching your calories you know how much you're eating but the whole kind of concept of it was to encourage people to get back in kitchens, enjoy eating good food and taking responsibility. Because essentially, if you're cooking dishes that you're putting all the ingredients in, you know exactly what's in it. Whereas convenience food, you just don't. There's hidden sugars and salts. and Because it ran alongside a television show. So we take families on, on a journey, again, another 12-week journey with us of trying to change their and break their... Um, slightly dysfunctional eating habits. Some people who just hadn't cooked at all. Some, you know, there were some guys in there that didn't even pretty much know where the kitchen was in their house. So, the idea of encouraging people to get back into kitchens and get kids in because all of them were worried about their kids having bad habits. Mm-hmm. But the kids are going to have bad habits because they've got them themselves. So actually, some of the most encouraging stuff from it was the actual children, the journeys that they went on. They they were interested in food, where it comes from. There's history. There's places around the world you can visit by just cooking Thai food in your own kitchen. You you know, you get an understanding of geography and and history and colours and flavours and textures. And there's so much that food suddenly becomes quite exciting if you look at it in the right way and you take control of cooking. And, And the encouragement of people that people take ownership when they cook something so that there's an end result that you thoroughly enjoy when you've cooked something it's like painting a picture or, or making something with the kids at school you know that you know how many times the kids come back with something that they've made at school that I mean let's be honest it's an egg box with, with something <laughs> stuck on it like the end result isn't great but they feel so proud <laughs> of it you know and that is the same sort of thing with food they, they, that will encourage them to be a part of it of eating something or putting layers of flavors on pizzas or just all those sort of things that so creating a good relationship with food. I love the pictures of your son cooking in the book. Um, you're a very busy man and a family man as well. How do you make time for family life? I try to take Sundays off. I try most Sundays to block them off. And normally I take my little man to rugby first thing. So he plays rugby tot. So he's he's in the age group above his age because he's so big. So he's in <laughs> he's in the three and a half to five year old group, and he and he has to concentrate for about forty five minutes of running around and passing a ball mm. and and doing whatever. And he does really well at it for about thirty five minutes, and then he just wants to like just run around. But but I like that's a joy, and he absolutely loves it. So t- I take him to rugby then we'll probably go and meet my wife Beth and we'll have a bit of breakfast somewhere probably at the coach one of our restaurants in Marlow and then if the weather is nice we'll go at the park feed the ducks and you know I'll take him swimming then we'll go out to go and see one of the, the, the town farms or we'll go to like anything to do with racing cars he's all over that so it's, <laughs> it's generally a family day and then at the end of it it'll be I find it a privilege when it's time to take him to bed and you know give him a bath and we have a we'll sit down and read a book with him as he goes to sleep and that, that's the dream day and then probably just watch a little bit of telly with Beth in the evening a recorded match of the day if I can convince her to (laughs) sit down and watch football but that doesn't often happen 
That sounds lovely. I hope you have many of those delightful Sundays <laughs> in the future and that all the work continues to go magnificently. Thanks for coming to talk to us. Thank you very much. What a pleasure to speak to Tom Kerridge. What a lovely man he is. And um, I've been interviewing authors for years now. My dad has never been so excited about anything as he was about me meeting Tom Kerridge. Um, I'll be glad to pass on to him what a lovely chap he is. Fresh Start is out now and maybe I'll have a go at the roasted winter sprout curry this weekend. (laughs) 